0: How we humans affect the environment and unfortunately most often than not our effects have negative consequences on the environment however it is also part of my job to provide alternatives or mitigation measures for such situations i think this is part of the job as an environmental scientist which is rewarding because at times we need to be innovative as well as creative in identifying a solution to reduce our negative implications on the natural environment
1: okay so What are some thoughts on what to do about them? If you can't identify where they're coming from, how are you supposed to mitigate their effects? Filters Mm -hmm. in the water somehow or what? Before we get started, I have a quick favor. I've been self-funding the Finding Genius podcast for five years now. I've done over 3,000 episodes. And as you can see on YouTube, we're up over a million views on the channel, which is fantastic. The next thing I really want to push on is to get up to 10,000 subscribers, because once we do, we'll be able to put a donate button, and we'll be able to solicit donations uh, to help keep the podcast running, and to also get the Finding Genius Foundation moving along. We have a big project studying anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and working on a product to help people overcome these problems, uh, because I've seen them explode recently after the, uh, the last two years of the whole virus situation. So if you would, please subscribe to the podcast. That would help us tremendously. Give us a thumbs up. And check in the description for buy me a coffee. It's about five bucks. If you could buy me a coffee, I'd really appreciate it. It would help keep the channel going. And I love coffee. Thank you To find out more about our fundraiser, visit findinggeniusfoundation.org and click on current initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Juan Jose Bonello. He's an assistant lecturer at the Institute of Applied Sciences. The abbreviation is MCAST. It's the Malta College of Arts and Science. Then we're going to talk about Juan's research with microplastics. So, Thank you for coming.
0: Thank you for having me. I think this is a fantastic opportunity to discuss some of the work that I'm working on together with my colleagues and partners.
1: Yeah, you know, tell me a bit about your background. How did you come to study what you're studying right now?
0: So basically, I'm an environmental scientist, and my academic background is in biology and chemistry. But as I progress academically as well as professionally, I focus more on the environmental aspect, specifically within the marine environment. and As an environmental scientist, my work is to study different scenarios how we, humans, affect the environment. And unfortunately, most often than not, our effects have negative consequences on the environment. However, it is also part of my job to provide alternatives or mitigation measures for such situations. I think this is part of the job as an environmental scientist, which is rewarding. Because at times, we need to be innovative as well as creative in identifying a solution to reduce our negative implications in the natural environment. And also, as a lecturer, this allows me to pass on my experience as well as um, talk to my students about these concepts. Mind you, I have to admit that I always learn from my students. It's a two-way street, you know? And it's interesting yeah, and eye-opening, um, to see what the younger generation have to say
1: about these topics. Well, tell me about microplastics. What research are you doing surrounding them right now?
0: Right. So um, basically, the idea behind it is that I'm located in Morton, which is a small island in the center of the Mediterranean. This means that the sea and marine life is of great importance to us, both economically as well as culturally. This means that we need to have a clear understanding of the potential implications that we have on the natural environment. So recently, we have concluded Project IMPACT, which is an acronym for Identifying Microplastic Hotspots in the Morty's Waters. This was supported under the Paradise Fall for Certain Affections 2020 by the Mott Council for Science and Technology. I have to admit, this, is, this was an ambitious project because this was the first type of its um, nature on a na- national level for Malta. So basically, this project, our aim was simple on paper, and we had to identify microplastic hotspots within the Maltese coastal waters and to characterize the types of plastics that are present.
1: Okay, so in coastal waters off Malta, you're looking at the type of microplastics that are there. So what did you find?
0: Exactly. So together with some of our partners, Acrobiotech and Zipel, a volunteer organization, we carried out some. We found out some interesting aspects. Basically, the highest concentration observed were in the harbor areas. I have to admit that this part of, the, of our outcome was not really surprising since the extent of anthropogenic activity within harbors may be higher when compared to the other sampling points. So much so that the site with the highest concentrations of microplastic is a multi-purpose port that provides a large spectrum of maritime services. Therefore, the extent or the level of anthropogenic activity is relatively high. And the anthropogenic activity in close proximity to the coast and marine traffic would potentially explain the concentration of microplastic in certain sites. However, other areas that are known to be susceptible to anthropogenic activities had some of the lowest microplastic concentration that we observed, and I generally think that this is an interesting part of our findings, because this implies that the heterogeneity of microplastic distribution and of their concentration level around Maltese Island could be related to several factors, not just anthropogenic sources. Such factors could include the hydrodynamic features such as currents, up and downwelling, as well as wind activity.
1: In fact, uh, All right, so what, what, what kind of microplastics have you observed in the harbors, for instance? Are they fibers? Are they, what, what are they?
0: Well, primarily, the most common type of microplastics were identified were fragments, which means that they are secondary type of microplastics, because we normally classify microplastics type primary, the way they have been synthesized or used, and secondary. When we have a larger piece of plastic, microplastic, and this breaks down by time. And normally this forms fragments. And we identified several fragments in uh, these sites which are heavily contaminated with microplastics, as I said, primarily within harbors.
1: Okay. So again, they're, I understand they're heterogeneous and everything, but what are you seeing? Like, what are the major constituencies of microplastics? Are you seeing like rubber from? boats, let's say, are you seeing fibers or, you know, what are you seeing?
0: Ah, That, that is, I think, a very good question. Um, well, it is difficult to relate the physical nature of microplastics since they are degraded to what they were. However, we carried out um, FTIR, a chemical analysis to understand, to assess the type of plastics that we have. And the, basically, the type of plastics that we identified were um, PVC. Vinyl chloride together with polypropylene, PP. Just to give you an idea, PVC is something which is used in a wide variety of of items flexible packaging, resilient flooring, vinyl paneling, etc. While PP, polypropylene, is very strong and can withstand higher temperatures, and we normally associate it with containers and boxes, etc. But the chemical identification of these microplastics give us, as I said, the chemical. So it is very difficult to relate it to the actual use of these plastics. And in all honesty, given the hot issue that is associated with microplastics, I think it will not be wise of us to assess it or to attribute the microplastic with a particular um, material, because we would then be able to associate it with a particular sector economy might
1: not be ideal. Okay, so what what, what kind of uh, remediation methods are proposed or what what to do about it? Do you feel like you understand what's in the water, or it just sounds very nebulous? Like, what, what are you working on then? What kind of questions are you trying to answer?
0: So basically, as I said, this was the first type of um, study done on a large national scale. So we finally have an idea of what is the pipe microplastic situation in water. And in fact, the project also entailed hasn't been out session. So with our findings, we went to different stakeholders and we had a variety of stakeholders, ranging from policymakers, even to the general public, where we discussed possible remediation, what can be done. And we discussed a number of ideas. Obviously, one of the most important aspects was to incorporate microplastic as a parameter in different water quality procedures and methods. Because as things stand, in Malta, and microplastics are not typically assessed for. So we need to make it a typical parameter and to assess water quality, including in bathing water and coastal waters.
1: Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets... What do you, what do you mean? Are you looking at the the number of microplastics? Are you looking at the type? Are you looking about their effects? I mean, what what are you trying to quantify?
0: We actually went to different aspects. We quantify them in terms of counts. So when I talk about concentration, they're actually counts um, of microplastics per meter cube. We also went with the type of microplastic. That's why I said we found um, fragments. We went with different parameters for microplastics with um, type, shape, and color, but we also went with the chemical nature of microplastics and for instance as i mentioned previously PVC and PP were the most common type of plastics that we identified so we went with different aspects of microplastics because microplastics um, traditionally they have been used or they've been um, classified using counts but this can be very subjective so we took also into consideration the chemical nature that's why we use FTIR, for um, infrared transport
1: and FTIR. All yeah. right. So wait, wait. So you, you found polyvinyl chloride? Is that what you said? You said PVC. What else? What exactly. were the predominant yeah. ones, and what are the potential problems with these particular right. microplastics?
0: So predominantly, we found PVC, polyvinyl chloride, as well as PP, polypropylene, and the implications with microplastics is given their the size. They can be harmful because they can be ingested but they can also act as vectors and that is highly problematic uh, problematic so someone could argue that listen plastics can be inert as in plastics on their own they they can be unreactive but if they're vectors they can be carrying other substances which means that they are um, transporting substances from one environmental matrix for example from the water column, inside into and a living organism, so the extent of harm of microplastic is is very high, and we still have not understood such implications
1: uh, okay so where are these coming from now that you've identified the predominant ones, where does the pVC and the you know the other types of microplastics come from?
0: All right, so basically the idea the concept of the project was to assess the hotspots. The next step, so which means the future works, will be identifying. And sources and drivers, but from something which is interesting that we found from the project is that we normally associate microplastics that are coming directly from land. However, since water is an island we're also receiving microplastics from other locations. We identified that wind factor wind is an important factor in transporting microplastics in, in these hotspots. so the sources of microplastics can be can be varied. so our next step is identifying from where, so the source of microplastics.
1: Okay, well, how much come from Malta itself and how much come from outside of Malta? Do you no, think most come been... from outside, or, or who knows?
0: No, no, We're not. A, I don't think anyone is actually in a position to identify, to assess how much um is contributing or any other country is contributing to the microplastic problem. We only can see it on a global scale.
1: Well, you're looking in local harbors, though, so I mean... Are you able to identify where these come from? And how would you know if it's something that's local versus it floated in from somewhere far away?
0: No. Since we've studied the chemical nature of plastic, so we assess that, for example, it's PVC or it's polythyl and peptide. We don't know from where it's coming, whether it's local or not. So that is why we also took into consideration um, outreach sessions. So we went out and discussed with different stakeholders to see from their aspect what can be done. For example, we, we talked with the Ministry for Fisheries and Animal Welfare and they discussed that, yes, they understand they have a problem with microplastics and they're talking with fishermen on how, for example, to reduce plastic in their everyday use. So our idea was to discuss with different stakeholders and see what everyone can do, even with the general public. We carried out a simple exercise even with school children to see what their perspective of microplastic is. Which was, in my own opinion quite interesting, because different stakeholders they have different perception of microplastics, which is interesting and worrying at the same time
1: uh, okay, I mean, but has the problem been identified like what what's wrong with having you know maybe it sounds stupid or obvious, but mm-hmm. what's the problem with microplastics in the in the water there? what damage is it causing? Has that been quantified
0: actually um that is something that I think this was a recurring concept. What is the problem with microplastics? In fact, a recurring misconception about microplastics is their possible implication. Since these pollutants tend to be small, thus out of sight, out of mind, we tend to ignore the harm that could potentially characterize microplastics. And we immediately associate environmental or ecological damage to plastic debris, when in reality the situation tends to be more complex than that. In fact, we divide the impacts of plastic debris into three main categories namely, environmental. As well as social and economic damage, environmental damage due to plastic debris, and was ignored for a long period of time, and the gravity of the situation has only been recognized recently. Microplastics, which can be present both benthic and in pelagic ecosystems, can have the potential to be ingested by a wide variety of marine biota, and the harm for these biota can be classified either as physical damage done by the microplastic itself, or as a toxicological effect when microplastic acts as a vector, as I said, when it transports other substances. However, we also need to consider the social damage, which do not only include factors such as aesthetic issues, but also the potential threat to public health and safety. Keep in mind that when we're talking about coastal water, we're also talking about bathing water. And this is something which for a is obviously of great importance. As I said, mortar is an island and we depend heavily on our marine environment and obviously there's the economic cost of marine debris which can be both direct and indirect when i say direct these include costs such as increase in marine debris cleaning costs and whilst indirect costs include the deterioration of ecosystem services and the reduction in quality of life so the extent of harm caused by microplastic is quite wide not just related or attributed to the environmental aspect
1: well, how do you know again the harm? Has, what kind of testing has been done?
0: All right. So, on, on a separate project, we also assessed the link between different environmental matrices. So, the project, Project Impact, focused heavily, focused primarily on coastal water. But you also have other projects which deal with linking environmental matrices. The project, which linked the presence of microplastics in the water column, in sediment, and in biota. And we found that in biota, we used sea cucumbers. We found that the same amount of microplastics in biota um, as much as we find in sediment, which shows that there is transfer of microplastics from one environmental system to another. So that is why we're talking about the potential harm of organisms. And if these microplastics can end up in uh, living organisms, as we found in sea cucumbers, they can obviously be found in in, uh, in humans as well, and there have been recently there have been studies published which have identified traces of microplastics in humans.
1: Okay, so what 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 are some thoughts on what to do about them? If you can't identify where they're coming from, how are you supposed to mitigate their effects? Filters Isn't, in the water somehow, or what?
0: Excuse me, can you repeat the last bit?
1: How are you supposed to mitigate the effects of these things if you if no one knows even where they're coming from?
0: So basically, since this is a Global phenomena, this has to be a collective effort. That is why we cannot simply wait for policymakers to do something about it. This has to be done even on an individual basis. It's even something as silly or something as simple as collecting a plastic b- bottle when, when it is discarded it makes a whole difference. Because the issue is my, with microplastics is that their size. Why is we, if we don't send the beach and we see a plastic bottle discarded, we can see it. We can e- easily pick it up. But the problem is that when it becomes microplastic, so by the time when it is broken down, we cannot see it, and the harm that I mentioned, they're, they're quite uh, extensive. So if it, if we have a collective approach, so everyone that uh, carries out or does their part, simply even by collecting um, plastic debris, that, or, that already makes a huge difference. Obviously, what what if it
1: what if it doesn't make a difference? What if the plastic bottles don't break down, or it takes decades? Maybe the Mm -hmm. microplastics are coming in in their already microplastic form, having been Mm -hmm. degraded somewhere else. Like, how do you know that the plastic bottles that are in the local harbor or what broke down Mm -hmm. into microplastics?
0: Actually, so you're right. So, what if collecting plastic, collecting litter doesn't make a difference? But it's always a start. And we're also working with policymakers to actually push, for example, in stopping on or reducing use of single use plastic, which makes a whole difference. Unfortunately, most of the plastic debris that has already been broken down is broken down, and it will be very difficult if not impossible to collect. So the idea is to avoid having more plastic, more microplastics in the future, because this is a pollutant, which is persistent, and we're still adding as time goes by. Right. So, well, has
1: it, a, a, have you or anyone studied the breakdown? You know, taking a uh, plastic bottles, for instance, put them in a tank of salt water, with you know a lamp on them, switch them around for months, and see how long it takes them to break down and turn into microplastics. Has has anyone done that to characterize how long this takes?
0: There are different studies which um, assess how long plastic takes takes to break down. Coincidentally, um, at MCAST we're currently working on a project which assesses the extent of UV on breaking down um, macroplastics into microplastics. So we're studying one aspect because plastic, the degradation of microplastic can be characterized by a wide variety of properties. For example, as you mentioned, uh, soil from the, from the seawater, but we're looking at UV. So we're looking at different UV from UVA, B and C and assessing how long it takes and the implications on macroplastics. So that is something that we're currently working on. But as I said, UV is one part of the story. When we talk about degradation of microplastics, there are a number of factors that contribute to the breakdown of uh, plastic into smaller pieces of plastic.
1: Okay, so we so no one knows how long various types of plastics take to break down yet.
0: And in the lab, there have been a number of studies, but keep in mind that in the lab these are controlled conditions. The issue is the issue is when you're out in the environment. The conditions are constantly varying sure. and there are a number of variables so that's why for now at least from um, our end our laboratories we're focusing on uv i can use an idea of the implications of uv
1: because what are you, are you seeing any data yet on the uh, types or intensities of uv and how it affects plastics
0: for now no for now we've built a um, compartments to store our uv and we are currently Waiting for the first set of readings.
1: But okay, is- so you'll, 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 you think you'll know soon. Do you, can you see any degradation so far, or is it not visual? Is it, you know, is that to be quantified mathematically, or, you know, what have you seen so far?
0: No, since we're still at the initial stages, uh, visually we cannot assess anything. But the idea is to um, take samples and using FTIR, we want to see how the chemical bonds of the plastics are changing. So, it's not something that we will see uh, we need to analyze for it, but we're still at the initial stages for,
1: uh, for this project mm, okay um I, mean, I don't know so like uh you know are you also doing studies where you remove the macro plastics and see if there's a a reduction in the microplastics in the in the surrounding waters? That might be a simple experiment to see if that has any effect besides a visual one
0: uh, um the The problem is that that is something that takes time. So, for example, we are involved in a number of activities that carry out cleanups. So, the idea is that we're removing microplastics from sandy from beaches, from, from the water. But then, eventually, the idea is to mimic what we did in this project, Project Impact, and do it over a period of time. Because with Project Impact, we, have a, we did it over a period of one year. So, we have know what the microplastic situation in Malta is in one year we want to copy that over a period of time. So we want to see how the situation changes by time. Because there can be a number of variables, such as seasonality, for example. So this is also something that we're currently working on. Obviously, this entails more funding.
1: Hmm. Um, but, so what, what are some of the, uh, the the things that you're researching that you feel like you're you're close to a breakthrough on, in terms of understanding?
0: And going back with Project Impact, the idea of having an idea of the current situation of microplastic is beneficial because that attracted the interest of a number of potential collaborations. As I said, this um, was funded and eventually this will yield more funding, since as I said, this is something that takes time. Um, so project impact, having an idea of the current situation of microplastic to more is is very important because it gives us a start. As I said, nothing has ever been done on this scale. So we now know on which sites to focus on. And we're going to focus our research efforts in localities on locations which are more vulnerable to microplastic concentrations.
1: How do you know? Okay, so you've established that the harbors appear to be a collecting spot for microplastics versus other parts of the water, right?
0: No, we have actually a number of hotspots. The harbors, it's something that we almost expected since these are That is where most of the anthropogenic activity takes place. But we have a number of local areas where we were surprised because for example, these are marine protected areas, but we know that they act as possible. So we know that they're vulnerable and susceptible for microplastic concentrations, accumulation. And we want to see what can be done and how the situation changes over time. Because as I said, we only have an idea over a period of one year, which is too little but we know on which sides to focus now.
1: Yeah, but you said a lot of uh, plastics may come in from other areas, so it wouldn't necessarily be true that anthropogenic activity would result in localized microplastics. It could be that they get transported by the currents and the shapes of the harbors and, you know, the wave action to different places. So why not look at it from that, that perspective?
0: Yes, that is the idea. We know which areas are susceptible, and then we'll carry on we will carry out modeling to see the potential sources from where these microplastics could potentially originate. But we now know where to focus our efforts on, um, focusing on the entire... Well,
1: what, are, what, are, what are some unexpected places you've seen microplastics and why?
0: As I said, um, we expected microplastic concentration in areas that are highly anthropogenic, where we see a lot of marine traffic, where, for example, beaches are very popular with both locals and tourists. And that was not always the case. So whilst areas that are highly anthropogenic provided concentration of microplastics, we had areas that are considered <laughs> to be safeguarded and protected, such as marine protected areas, that are that were characterized with quite a high concentration of microplastics. So that is what was something quite it was not something we expected. But as as we mentioned, it could be because of um, wind currents or um, even upwelling, downwelling of the water that would influence that area. So the next would be to assess from where these uh, microplastics originate. originating. Okay.
1: Well very good. So what's the best place for people to find out more about your work? Where can they go?
0: So basically um, we have a website that states for the project. It's uh, hmm, just bring it up it's projectimpact.mt it's P-R-O-J-E-C-T I-M P A C T dot M T. And okay. we also have a blog which explains also um, targeting different audiences and there's some materials, which explain the implications of microplastics, as well as what we're
1: doing um, with regards to this project. Okay. Well, very good. Juan, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I know it's a very, very complicated subject and not a lot is known yet, but thank you for trying to, to answer and make speculation as to, you know, what is known so far. I appreciate you coming.
0: Thank, thank you for having me. It was interesting.